Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Tonight, we're talking with Carter Brown. Carter is the founder and executive director of Black Trans Men Incorporated, the first national nonprofit Black trans-led organization. His active leadership has greatly impacted the empowerment of the black trans community through social advocacy, positive visibility, and building strong leadership. Currently, Carter actively leads a host of board, staff, and volunteer members of the organization and continues to multiply the presence of the organization, having built multiple state chapters throughout the United States. His work, along with those of Black Trans Men Incorporated and its subsidiaries, is based in peace building, community education, public policy initiatives, empowerment programs, and direct services. Black Trans Advocacy works with communities in the United States and across the globe to foster diversity, inclusion, and equality for all people. Through his paramount leadership in the movement of black trans equality, Carter has pioneered others, by example, to become the change you want to see in the world. But he's also a husband, a father, and a father not only to his own child, but to many in the community. Carter, I am so happy to talk to you again. How are you? I am great, Michelle. It's great to speak with you again. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I mean, there's so many things that, that that you do, and I think that it's really important at this time, you know, that we recognize and acknowledge and support and lift up our, our trans community in general, but particularly our black trans community. You know, I remember meeting you at Creating Change in Houston, and you were part of a panel about a film, and the film was talking about parenting and parenting within the trans community, particularly black trans men community. And, you know, as I watched that film, it made me really take a step back and think about what is parenting and how, mm-hmm. you know, too often we put parenting in the box, father, mm-hmm. mother, that, but to a child. A parent is a parent. And I mean, it was like such a powerful film. And then afterwards, to get a chance to talk to you and over the years getting to know you and the work that you do, I mean, it really is important, that work. And that that thinking about parenting, and not only parenting, and that your child is your child and what you want from that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, tell me... Go ahead. And I was just going to add that the parenting experience 
experience as a trans person has been uh, very eye-opening to see just how the, the gender construct is pretty much implemented by societal rules. Um, and, it, and it's very liberating to give someone an opportunity, specifically my child, an opportunity just to see the world through a different lens, one that's more open-minded um, and accepting of people that are different than them. And also, you know, just instilling in her self-pride and self-love for whoever she is um, and always just doing her best to be her best and whatever that is for her. You know, I know I can recall you telling me about, you know, like that first day when, when you were going to school and she was like, you know, okay, I got this now. You don't have to hold my hand all the way up. And the emotion <laughs> and how you felt. And you know what? Mm -hmm. Any parent who has had that right. moment knew that. Right. I, right. I knew that. And that, that providing that that safe space, mm -hmm. you know, for her, to, for her to, to feel that, you know, to be that. You know, which is what you want. You want your child to have that moment where, hey, I've got this, you know, leave me alone. I've got this and go there. Now, right. you are, you know, you're a father, you're a husband, and your experiences, and when you talk about being a husband and a father, are those of anyone in a relationship. But mm -hmm. you came through that, you also have that, being a trans man and when you talk to people do you have to go through like trans 101 and then get to talking about parenting and being a good partner in a relationship or how do you navigate that well specifically when talking to people regarding being a trans parent or a trans father um, as well as husband it's relatively easy to for anyone that has that same role in their life, it's relatively easy to um, connect with someone, you know, just about the general things that all parents mm -hmm. hear about. You know, like all parents, I want to make sure that my daughter is safe and secure. I want to be able to provide for my family. Um, you know, I want loyalty to my wife. I want to make sure that, you know, she, I'm able to support her throughout the marriage and she's, she's able to continue to grow as an individual and we're able to grow together. Um, and these are the things that anyone in a marriage, um, I would think, uh, holds as a priority and, and something that um, everyone should be given the opportunity to have, you know, to have a, a, a real relationship um, with substance and to, to have a family and, and uh, people that they can care for and people that care for them. And I think um, just with being able to be transparent with my life and my relationship and um, you know, being a father, uh, showing that transparency and sharing my family with the black trans community, I think gives a lot of hope to those who, you know, often wonder, will I have those opportunities to just have a family, you know, in a traditional way um, or non-traditional, whatever the case, but everyone should be afforded the opportunity. And it's important that um, for me to be that example for trans people so that they know that they are um, worthy and deserve the same love, the same um, opportunity to, you know, live their life to the fullest and increase their quality of life. You know, and I think that, I mean, and that is so true because it's like, when you look at, when I look at, at you and your wife and your family, and I look at families in general, like you said, it's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And 
So I can understand, you know, and, and so why should you have to go through 101? But I also recognize how important it is, and also as a sign of leadership, that mm-hmm. you could have just gone ahead and led your life and took care of your mm-hmm. wife, took care of your children and done that. But what moment did it come to you It's like, you know what, I could do this, but it's important, just like you were saying, that others mm-hmm. see that they can have that life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that the moment um, that I decided to uh, basically be transparent with my life, which included my family life, was after creating the organization and just really connecting with my community and, and um, witnessing and understanding and speaking with people who felt that they wouldn't have these things or that they didn't deserve them or that they weren't. I mean, people are worried about just the existing family that they have accepting them, their parents, their siblings, you know, their spouse. Um, as they go through their transition, we lose a lot of people. So, you know, we often hear the horror stories about the people that we've lost, and rarely do we hear about the positives or the, you know, the opportunities to gain um, all the things that you deserve. And so, you know, I felt that, you know, it, it wasn't, so much intentional um, with just sharing my family life, but you know, as we have the conferences and any events, uh, do bring my family around and we invite, you know, because we know that our support system as trans people expands beyond our trans community, right? Mm-hmm. It, it expands to our spouses and it expands to our kids. And you know, before many of us decided to transition, we had children in our lives or we were parents. Um, and so we know that they go through the transition with us. So it's necessary that we have that element of our advocacy and of our community um, to show, you know, not only how the support system expands, um, but to show that that support system is available to people, um, you know, or, or just to show the positives mm-hmm. um, for those who don't currently have such a support system or, you know, familial ties as they would want. You know, and I'm thinking too, not only for your daughter, but as other people see it. And, you know, I've talked to a woman once who earlier who had gone through, like she had her mother and her partner and how she saw their relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. they were two lesbians, how their relationship helped her define as she grew older, what she was looking for in a family and she mm-hmm. didn't think that her family was strange and that's what right. you're doing like your daughter she's got you she's got SB you take her to school and there are other families who are out mm-hmm. there how important is that for their children to right. see that model that this is normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and, and you know beyond just the, the normalcy of it you know that my daughter has a, a dad and a mom in the home and that's you know fairly heteronormative of the family structure um but beyond that you know just instilling in her you know we do talk about trans people and trans rights and what's going on and who's being denied rights with you know lgbt people or black people or muslims you know we, we open her mind to understand that all people are equal, you know, um, so I don't think she's grasped, you know, 
that she knows she only knows daddy um, because that's you know I was already in tra- I had already transitioned uh, when she was born um, but I think that uh, you know just just even though we have the I would call it a privilege of uh, a heteronormative relationship and family in appearance that's even more important it, it makes it even more important to me uh, that she understands that all people are equal and everyone should have equal opportunities um, and to be treated equally and with respect you know I, I think it's you know how when you say heteronormative but you know what it's like it's sort of but what you're showing her is that it's really bigger right Right, and then you know, in some some things, you know, that she'll she'll just ask me, you know, with the innocence of a child, like uh, she was wanting to get her her she wanted her mom to paint her nails a couple of weeks ago, and so she asked me, she said, "Daddy, have you ever had your nails painted?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes." <laughs> and she said, "Really?" And I said, "What color?" And I said, "It was just clear," but you know, I did. You know, and just showing her things like that, like, you know, some guys do, you know, not that it was something I was into, but I had, you know, as a child, playing with my siblings, you know, we all painted with this little clear coat or something that we found at my grandmother's house. So, you know, I I think that, you know, just being open with her as a father and as a, a strong male figure to be able to say or to show, you know, that men do some things that aren't just gender restricted uh, by societal rules um, and it's okay you know it doesn't make them any less of a man or you know those sort basically you know the things that you like don't specifically identify your gender so mm. to speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's great that you know like you said how and you answered you gave an answer you didn't try to say well here let me break out the books and tell you everything you know it's right. like that you that it's almost like um a natural way that really that just how kids ask a question and that you're mm-hmm. open and honest with her. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much, you know, um, has been the relationship in, in, in the way that my wife and I um, talked about it and agreed um, just with the upbringing of her to just be honest, you know, and just take everything at her pace. As she asks questions, then we answer them honestly, of course, to the her level of understanding. Um, you know, we don't dump a whole lot on her, but uh, we just try to be direct and be honest. Um, and I think that that alone um, is helping to support the growth of a healthy individual um, in relationships overall, as well as just her understanding of the world around her. Mm. So did you ever, I mean, have you ever said, you know, SB, you know, you have like a lot of people who call you pops and call you dad and come and do that. You know, um, have you ever wondered like, gee, you know, we should have expanded our family. We should have, you know, maybe we could adopt. Maybe we should welcome other kids into our family. Um, or are you just happy just giving her all your love? Uh, well, see, uh, I would have a little basketball team with you if I I told Esme, I said, I, I always wanted one girl in like four or five boys. Mm-hmm. She said, if I, she said, I can have four or five boys, but I'll be raising them on my own. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we didn't make it with that. So that's another reason that I'm always so excited um, when I do have young men that, you know, 
revere me as their father or, you know, hold me to that to that level of respect and accountability. Um, that's always very exciting for me. Um, in a relationship that, you know, I, I want, you know, greatly um, to reciprocate with them. And it's, and it's very much an honor. So I have uh, lots of sons <laughs> as well as a few other daughters, you know, that, that we kind of adopted each other throughout the community. You know, one of the things I I like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go beyond that. I love how you and SB love each other. Oh, thank you so much. You know, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, you know, and it, and it's that that part of being mutually supportive. She is as big a part of BTAC as you are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know, and when you decided, when you said, "I'm going to do this," what what was 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 she was was she talking about you doing this before you did it, or when you said, "You know, I need to do this," she said, or did she was like then like, "Okay, well, where do I fit in?" What do you want me to do? No, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but Espy really is my soulmate. I mean, we mm-hmm. like, it's almost a telepathic connection, you know, more, more often than <laughs> you would actually think. Um, but actually, it, it is very complimentary, our relationship. We're different in a lot of ways, although we're very much the same. Um, so it, it actually began perfectly because um, I began the advocacy group. Um, and I just wanted to do things in the community with the brothers and reach out. And, you know, SB has an uh, entrepreneurial background. Um, she has lots of degrees um, in business and e-commerce and so forth. And so it was natural for her to say, hey, I see how we can structure this as a business and actually meet the needs of the community, you know, through outreach and programming versus, you know, just being a support group and, you know, um, sort of the direction that I was going with it. Um, so, you know, just just with, you know, my personal experience, my personal experiences as a black trans man and um, getting into the community and understanding the needs of black trans men um, and then SB's knowledge and experience with business and organizing, it all came together that we were able to actually organize our vision um, to create a mission to serve the black trans community. Um, and, and as you see, it's grown in abundance, you know, just within six years. Um, look how we've expanded, Michelle. I mean, we have Black Trans Women Inc. Uh, we have mm-hmm. you know, the Black Trans International Pageantry System. You know, and through it all, SB is like, you know, the winds in a little room somewhere. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the programs that you've organized. I mean, you would think she has eight arms. She does so much. And, um, you know, it, it, there is no other ally for the trans community. I mean, of course, she's supportive of me as my wife, um, but she really exemplifies what it means to be an ally. I honestly believe uh-huh. if we were not together, that she would do this work for the community. She really believed in uh, black trans people and, you know, the beauty and the strength within our community. And she sincerely wants to help um, empower our community. So, you know, in order to do that in an organized way, in a structured way, in an effective way, um, what she does is very necessary, not only to the organization, but to the movement of black trans people. Mm. So kudos to that. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, one of the things that I think that, that, and that you made that was really important, 
not only that she does it, but you always hear, I mean, you know, we're all supposed to be this one great big community, the LGBTQ community, but then you have the white community, the black community, mm-hmm. then you have trans men, trans women, and it's like, and at, and at some points it's sort of like, we're all sort of like so struggling for our own identity right, that we right. aren't part of a community, mm-hmm. and you know, and the threats that come against us that, you know, yeah, it's important to have your idea, but we're supposed to do it. And the fact that you brought in black trans women, and it's like, it's like you do the conference together, but you have parallel tracks mm-hmm. so that there is that identity. And, you know, was that on your mind when you started to see, you know, like, yeah, you've got to get the brothers together or, and, you know, like, but how do I reach out to my sisters and bring them in? And how, was that difficult or was it easy? Uh, well, it was definitely uh, interesting, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. but relatively easy, I will say. Um, and I have to give credit to uh, Ms. Carmarian Anderson. Yes. Uh, Mr. Carmarian Anderson. She's actually uh-huh. the co-founder of Black Trans Women Inc. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, we've been friends for a very long time prior to uh, starting these organizations. So, you know, when she saw the, all the good work that was happening with Black Trans Men Inc., um, you know, naturally she said, hey, you know, I want to do something like this for Black Trans Women by, you know, of course, mirroring what you guys are doing as far as outreach, but narrowing on the issues for black trans women specifically. And so it was, um, you know, naturally something that we supported and wanted to do. Um, And we introduced Black Trans Women Inc. at the 2013 BTAC with Ms. Monica Roberts, uh, who's now one of the board members of Black Trans Women Inc. Ms. Monica Roberts was our first uh, lady keynote at uh, BTAC, and of course she had a very powerful message. Um, and she's also uh, one of our um, foundation award uh, presenters. Uh, we have an award named after Ms. Monica Roberts for all the work that she's done. Um, so, you know, just really recognizing the power that black trans women have in the movement for, you know, not only trans people, but LGBT people. And to have someone to step up and say, hey, you know, we want to get organized. I mean, because I see the power that trans women have, but what mm-hmm. I personally saw or observed to be lacking was just their organization and their ability to unite or their willingness um, to really have a united voice. I mean, we see, you know, trans women on, on the silver screen. We see trans women, um, you know, in the in the in the in the um, lobbying. We see trans women blogging, you know, various pageants. You know, so there's all these different avenues that we can all name someone that's really making, you know, an effort to make change. Um, but it's not a united voice, you know what I mean? And a lot of times, um, when you don't have a, a, someone to stand with you, then you kind of take the mic on your own, you know what I mean? And it's uh-huh. easy for it just to become about you, you know. Well, I'm speaking up, you know, so this is what I have to say, and this is just my experience and so forth, but if we can get a collective voice to say, hey, you know, there's strength in numbers, this is what we're saying um, as, as a unified group and as a community, um, I feel that it can be more effective. And so that's exactly what we see 
sisters who have come to BTAC and, you know, left saying, hey, when I, you know, before I got here, I was at odds with so-and-so, you know, I didn't speak to this woman for years, but now that we've been here, you know, we're going to keep in touch and, you know, we've kind of amended our relationship, you know, so just really creating a, a place where they can let their guards down and trust and feel well, you know, it's loved. It's interesting that you said that because I can recall um, when Monica was at one time talking to Monica Roberts, like, and that was pre then her talking mm -hmm. about how, you know, like a way that the sisters could come together, like many of a Latina trans sisters mm -hmm. were, were like able to organize. And then, and now you see that coming and you, mm -hmm. and you see mm -hmm. that ways that they come together and right. that they're able to, to sort of talk. Right. Now. I like also that you're doing chapters. You have chapters across the country now that, that, that they're starting to come up. Did that just sort of like, was that an organic growth? Like, okay, well, we can't wait until just to wait to once a year to come to Dallas. That, you know, well, what are we going to do here and there? And are they trying to do like regional conferences? Yes, absolutely. It, it grew to multiple state chapters in a very organic way. Um, as we were doing the work, then, you know, one of our focuses is also building strong leadership within the black trans community. And so we had a lot of brothers, you know, in the initial uh, years or uh, stages, we had a lot of brothers just step up and say, hey, you know, I want to reach the brothers in my community. I want to be the person that they can reach out to that's connected with the organization. Uh, you know, and so those seeds were planted in, in the other states pretty much along those lines. Um, and 2016 was the very first year that we were able to have regional conferences. Um, and it was very, very exciting. And, you know, it, 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 we expect to do even more, or travel to even more places and take BTAC on the road um, for 2017. But for 2016, we were able to uh, do regional conferences, uh, of course, here in, here in Dallas and then uh, Kansas, Georgia, New York, and, okay, yeah, those were the uh, main ones. And then we also had um, the Pageantry System also crowned uh, state representatives. So we have, you know, kings and queens in various states. Those states I mentioned as well as uh, the Carolinas. Um, so, you know, the growth is expanding in, in every arena, you know, wherever there are black trans people and you know, support Why aren't you getting that spotlight? So, uh, 
honestly can't say why we're not getting the spot mm-hmm. spotlight, but I would speculate that society just has a, a, a greater attraction um, in a negative way to the walk of the transformers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just because we are we live in a in a patriarchal society, so just the idea that a man that or you know what they believe to be a man converting into a, a female gender. Um, you know, that's a spectacle to them, uh, more so, um, is the reason that I would think that they get uh, more attention. Uh, but again, you know, trans women have led the movement towards liberation and equality for not only trans people, but the entire LGBT community. Um, I think that trans men are often overlooked um, and far too often were underserved when it comes to, you know, actually funding the issues for trans men. I feel that because we aren't seen as much, or then our issues aren't visible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 that and I say I tell my trans male community all the time that our greatest threat is our silence. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we're because there's so many guys that you know want to want want to um once you're able to blend in society as male um in appearance then you know just they just want to lay low and not really deal with the whole trans thing and you know but we got so many brothers that are taking their own lives because Mm -hmm. you know it's not easy for everybody you know so if by me stepping out i had so many young men contact me just to say I was amazed to see myself in you. Thank you for, you know, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. You know, so if just my comfort is not more important than the life of someone else. Mm. You know, and and our our greatest threat is our silence. If we are unseen, then we got to do more to be visible. You know, if we're underserved, we got to do more to be visible. And And I will say that through the hard work of uh, black trans men and all of our, 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 our members and staff and volunteers, as well as the men that have walked uh, this journey before us, have done an amazing job in stepping up and stepping out and really trying to be visible and really um, exemplify, amplifying our voices. Um, but we're not where we need to be yet. So, you know, we just got to continue to work. We've got to continue doing the work. we got to continue... Um, you know, making those sacrifices for the ones that, you know, are coming behind us and that need that bit of hope, that need that bit of inspiration and that connection um, from another brother that they can relate to. And so, you know, that's what I'm here for. And that's what the men of black trans men are here for. You know, I was, I moderated a panel and, um, which was interesting. I mean, because it, it goes back to exactly what we, what you were just saying. But it, they were talking about like um, issues on trans safety. Not only here, it was hosted by a, a, the UN, a UN association group. Okay. And on the panel, like they had, of course, they had a young trans man here. There, and when he started to talk about some of the issues, you could see like like people going like, well. Well, what's his issues, you know, right, right. but he, but he hit on so many things as far mm-hmm. as, you know, that, that were being impacted by 
this this political climate and stuff. And he said pretty much like you like you were like initially it was hard enough, mm-hmm. and then it was like that he and that he had reached a point where he could just sort of pass. Mm-hmm. But he knew that he needed to talk to to about his experience and the challenges that he was right. having. Right. And I mean, I thought, you know, I was like, well, good for you. I was so proud of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and, and I said to him, I said, you know, you really should try to get to Dallas. <laughs> you really should try to get to Dallas, because this is where, you know, you know, that's it. So we're gonna take our first, our first break and with Carter, and we'll be right back. Um, this is Collections by Michelle Brown. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. And we're back. And Carter, also on that pa- on that um, panel, was a mother who had started an advocacy organization mm-hmm. for her trans son. And so it was great to have her there as an ally speaking for him. Awesome. But, that. you know, really, I mean, but here was, but and he was actually there. And here was... Lance, who was like maybe five, six years older than he was, this young guy was in high school. Lance is like maybe mid twenties. He was someone not that far away from him, talking about you know, which is something better than saying, "Oh, it'll get better." Saying that yes, I've gone through this, and this is what you do, and all those things. Um, what are when you look at things? I've heard trans sisters talk about things that they were concerned about if health care, like these challenges to, uh, uh, well, this new, what is it, talking to Trump care that's going to come out. What are some of the, the issues politically that really affect trans men that people might not get behind or recognize that this is their issue also? Um, well, we can start with the uh, bathroom bill. Uh. Um, every advertisement or statement against it pins down a trans woman as, you know, this villain. Um, obviously, we know that they're not. Uh, but they fail to recognize that there are trans men. I mean, Michelle, would you like for me to use the bathroom? How would you feel if I popped in the bathroom and you're in there doing your makeup? You know, uh-huh. what am I supposed to present? My birth certificate say, hey, lady, it's okay. Don't call the police. Uh-huh. You know, they fail to see that, you know, there there aren't just, uh, you know, trans women, but this affects all trans people. Trans men would be affected by having to use the ladies' room. Um, when many of us are obviously, um, well, you know, all of us are obviously men, but it, it, it's... Uh, aesthetically obvious um, for many of us. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and I, and I was saying, you know, how things, I was just telling my wife the other day how things have progressed that we're actually even talking about this as law because I, I remember so many days of, you know, and this was prior to me uh, being openly trans, but when I was, you know, trans, 
trends and just sort of living still, um, I didn't go to the bathroom. So I'd be at work eight hours, you know, yeah. holding it, or I would, you know, have to leave on my lunch break and actually leave the facilities and go find a, a fast food place or something like that to use the bathroom. Um, because you have all the, because I, I was dealing with all the things of, you know, I worked for a very large corporation. Um, so everyone in my department just knew me as Carter, but, you know, the uh, human resources still had my, uh, my gender marker wasn't changed at the time. And so I didn't want the hassle uh, of something like that happening to me, you know, where I'm escorted out of the bathroom or, you know, a whole big deal because, you know, this is just in 2000, probably the year 2000 or so, and this wasn't an issue, you know, it was just something that trans people dealt with. So now it's known that it's actually being talked about on a legal um, on a legal level is is uh, you know amazing to me and, and you know we definitely um, support support um, our rights uh, against the bill in regards to the SB six and that's also something that our Texas chapter has been uh, greatly involved in as far as lobbying in Austin and so forth uh, regarding the SB six bill. Uh, but I, also, I would also say issues that uh, trans men greatly face um, are employment discrimination. Um, so many of us are denied jobs or fired jobs once we begin to transition or, you know, our, our previous identity is found out. Um, of course, I've gone through that. I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard my story, but I told my story to the media um, uh, a couple of years ago as well. Um, and then and mental health is probably one of the greatest um, in regards to us not having uh, medical, uh, if we weren't able to have medical um, affordability or access um, for proper care for um, mental health. And you know, I mean, that's the thing that's so, so I mean, when they're talking about bathroom rights, and, I mean, how inhumane is that, that someone has to wait eight hours, you know, or go or leave their place of work to go someplace? And, I mean, I have talked to trans brothers and trans sisters, both who say that, you know, about being their safety mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean where really, uh, and, and the perpetrators nine times out of ten of violence in the bathroom, whether against a woman, a straight woman, which mm-hmm. they talk about, they're so worried about, or a trans person is probably going to be somebody who's heterosexual. Right. But they don't, when they talk about this bathroom safety, well, what about our youth? I mean, what about our trans community who are denied a basic right? right. And then if they do go in could be brutalized because they're going to the bathroom, but they don't talk about that. Right. And, and I mean, like, that the part to me is just sort of like, where are they missing the point? What are they missing? The, the problem is, you know, being safe mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you're going in the bathroom, you're going in the bathroom. Doing, and I'm going to tell you, if, if you're going in the bathroom, I, I had someone once who said, well, you know, what if they came in the bathroom? And, and it was a guy, and I said, well, 
Well, tell me. I said, I don't want to know about your bathroom, but tell me, is it urinals or stalls? He said, well, you know, we've got stalls. I said, so if you're in yours and they're in theirs, are you looking underneath exactly. to see what they're doing? Exactly. I'm going like, you know, I'm going, so what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, no, no. I mean, I said, so what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go in and pee and hopefully come out and wash their hands, which I hope that you do too. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's what you do. And then you go on about your business. Mm -hmm. And I said, and for that matter, if I was in the lady in a bathroom that had, because I know at some places they have like a unisex bathroom, I'm in there, I'm just washing my hands or putting in my makeup and you come in and go in the stall and pee and come out. I'm not listening. I'm not looking. And why should it matter? But, you know, I'm concerned if it's somebody who's trying to peep under and probably it's going to be, you know, not who they're doing that. And it's sort of like it's gotten away from that whole issue of not only safety, of trans people who are still being killed, right. who are being attacked. I mean, so you're so worried about the bathroom, but you're not concerned about it. Right. And, you know, just for the record, there has never, there has, today, there has never reported incidents of a trans person attacking anyone Thank you. in the bathroom. Thank you. But there are several uh, incidences where trans people have been attacked for simply trying mm -hmm. to use the bathroom. I mean, I mean, and or even someone who someone perceived as mm -hmm. being trans, right. you know, so that transphobia is, is just like, it's a very big problem. And you don't hear that talking about it. And you don't also hear the Justice Department when they're talking about the, when is going, there going to be an uproar about trans attacks on members of a trans community and trans murder. And there isn't. Mm-hmm. Right, and yeah. then even when we do, you know, hear all the tragic stories of the trans people that are being murdered, some isn't seen or isn't reported from the perspective of that this is a hate crime. People are targeting a specific, you know, group in inflicting violence or death. But we never hear it seen as a hate crime. I mean, we need protections under the law. At this point, it's not just a matter of, you know, somebody living in a bad neighborhood and things happen or somebody chose a lifestyle that, you know, encouraged that. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of a specific group of people being targeted for violence or death. And these are hate crimes. And we need, we need, you know, not only legal um, ramifications, but we need our community, we need our black community to stand behind us. Because just like, you know, when we hear a, a young man getting shot or police brutally, you know, beating a black man, then the, the whole community is up in an uproar, you know. But we're still black. And, you know, it's like once we become trans, we sort of lose a little bit of credit with our black community. And, you know, that, that, that isn't right. You know, we really need our black community to stand behind us and recognize, you know, that we're black first. Before I was trans, mm -hmm. I was black. If I'm not trans anymore, I'm still black. And my community That's is right. black. And, you know, I'm, I'm a black man that, somebody, that and, and my family is black, you know what I'm saying? And all of these trans people have families. And we really need our, 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 our families and our communities to recognize us and, and to say that our lives matter, too, because we're dying. We're dying out here. We're getting murdered. People are committing suicide. And it's all because we don't have the support and we don't have the love of our families and our community that we need more now than ever. We need it now more than ever. We really need our community to stand behind us. 
going to learn to learn themselves and you should be teaching them to love themselves and to love others but we're telling them what you're doing is wrong and, and you don't have the right to do what these other kids are doing simply by using the bathroom because what you're doing is wrong you know that's not what we need we need you know liberation of the minds of our young children and we need equal rights of the lives of trans people and specifically black trans people you know, and I think that's the thing that is like, you didn't give up your black card, okay? And that and often sort of right. gets to me, like, I didn't give up my black card. Mm-hmm. And when I see a young African-American man killed, I'm in the upper. Right. You know, right. when I see what's happening in our education system, what's mm-hmm. happening to our kids, mm-hmm. that concerns me. But like you said, it's sort of like, well, if you aren't there, but then they're going to deny you your black card. But if you're supposed to be upset about Michael Brown, right. but not about Carter Brown. Right. Okay. And how does that, do you ever have days when it's like, which card am I going to play? Or I just want to throw in one card and just say, well, forget it. Cause I know that some days it could be easy to say, you know, like I don't, you know, well today I'm just going to be Carter and, just play my black card because I just don't want to have to deal with all this 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 crap. But how do, how do you juggle that? How do you do that dance? Actually, Michelle, I mean, I just go day to day as the day flows. Um, and naturally, in most instances, I don't have to introduce my trans identity, you know, just in daily interactions. Um, so I'm always seen as a black man. So there's not a day that passes that I can take my blackness off. You know, so I approach every situation, every situation and every interaction with the consciousness of my blackness. And even more so now, you know, my thought process is I'm interacting as a black man. And I'm also consciously thinking about my transness and the black man that's being projected through my transness. You know, is this, you know, as a trans man, I'm not the typical black guy or the stereotypical black guy, um, you know, but am I to the person I'm interacting with, you know what I mean? And in my transness, then I have to consciously make an effort to um, give something different or what I feel is more dimensional than what the stereotypical black male is. Um, I feel that that's my obligation um, as a trans man, because I do have a different experience and because I do feel that I am a more dimensional person because of it, um, I try to interject something more um, in every interaction with my transness. However, I'm consciously um, in, you know, just by default interacting as a black man. When you're talking to your brothers, I mean, and, and I, I mean, and well, because I know you have a conference, but in we're going to talk about the conference in a but you know what? If you stop and you think about the only thing that could put a bigger bullseye on your back is if you spoke with an accent. <laughs> you know, it's like, cause like you said, when you, you are just as likely to be pulled over because you are a black man. And then, you know, cause you know, like you said, walking through, mm-hmm. you've got that bullseye on. And if they pull you over and they look and say, ah, it's bigger cause you're a trans man or, and then, maybe trans and they might also have 
uh, homophobia issues too, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, so they don't bother to find out that you're married, you've got to, they're going to go, oh, I've got a gay issue, and trans, and so you so the bullseye keeps getting bigger mm-hmm. and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger, and sometimes knowing you have a bullseye can make you angry, yes. and when some people come to the conference, how do you help them get to that point where you're at? Like to be aware that the first thing they see is a black man and then it can it can either de-escalate or escalate from that. How do you help them do that? And, and if you come through a life where maybe you've had a lot of rejection from your community, from your family, that lack of acceptance of who you are, you know, as you transition, how do you talk to other young trans men and maybe not even necessarily young but people who have dealt with this this burden this oppression this harassment all mm-hmm. their life to help them diffuse the anger but keep the awareness well um you know that, that is something that we talk about as a group often is just you know those so, so eye-opening, the daily eye-opening walk of being a black man. I mean, I've been in, I've transitioned in 2001, so I'm 16 years in, and it's still, you know, a mind-blowing experience. I mean, I told my wife just the other day, I said, I'm going to just start logging all the times that I get pulled over by the police on BS simply because I'm black. It's March, and I've already been pulled over five times this year. For things like uh, I saw you bought some cigars at the uh, corner store, so I figured, you know, this is what he told me. <laughs> I saw you bought some cigars at the corner store, so if you saw me buying donuts at a donut shop, you would think I had donuts, right? I'm thinking, sure. <laughs> you know, um, uh-huh. we were pull- I-, I was pulled over for being in the turning lane but not putting my signal light on. You know, I was pulled over and my car was searched. You know, it, it just random things just because I'm black. And I know it's just because I'm black, a black man. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, so when we come together and talk about these things, we're talking about these kind of experiences. Um, we're talking about just the experiences of how to interact with other black men. You know, a lot of our issues as black trans men mirrors those of black men, you know, and that's what I tell these guys all the time. You don't have to figure it all out, you know, in one day. You know, becoming a man is a lifelong process. Nobody was born a man, you know, and that is our tagline. One is not born a man, he becomes one. Because, you know, I, I know many brothers, non-trans brothers, black men, that it's a lifelong journey learning your manhood, let alone your place as a black man in this society. Um, so, you know, when you bottle all of that up, um, something that, you know, our counterparts, our sister to black men have been struggling with, but have had the opportunity to grow into, um, from a child. Now we're starting that in our twenties, thirties, forties, you know, so you have to tack that on, you know, imagine I was talking to one of my 40 year old brothers, um, and he was just saying, you know, just how challenging it is to come from, you know, just being a, a masculine female and operating a soul in society to now all of a sudden having to catch up with other 40-year-old black men because, you know, these are his peers now. You know, 
after that first year, did you know then I'm on the right track and this is just going to get bigger and better and better and better? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every conference is memorable, but of course, I will never forget the first one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I definitely, you know, felt that it was so needed um, and it was so refreshing um, for everyone that was there. And I mean, not just refreshing like a resort or a getaway, I mean, refreshing like a, a refreshment of your spirit. Um, where you feel hopeful again and energetic again, and you know you you, you see the world through new eyes, um, and to see that that experience could come from being around, you know, your brothers. Mostly, it was just brothers there, and with a few sisters there. But um, you know, because they say black people can't get together, right? Black people can't get together without somebody arguing, or shooting, or gossiping, or you know, things like that. So I mean, it was all these beautiful black men. Um, different stages of transition, different, uh, you know, sexual orientations, different relationship statuses, different ages from teenage to, you know, 60. And we're all just, you know, loving each other and respecting each other and, you know, empowering one another. Um, and so just to see what that did for us all, we knew that we were on the right track in trying to um, um, deliver our vision of empowering the black trans community. Um, and so to expand it um, to our sisters and you know to the pageant world, um, and everyone's been able to just gel and glue, um, just like the first year, each year is just that the family gets bigger and you know, it's an extraordinary thing. And I'll, I'll tell you, Michelle, I do get tired. <laughs> and it's been a couple times that I said, I don't know if I'm going to do this next year, <laughs> but it is absolutely necessary. I don't know what I would do if I didn't do it. Um, you know, it, our community needs it. Like I said, it, it really is. Um, it's, it's so much more than a conference and a place to go and network and um, get resources, which is, you know, all very, very important for us. But it, it's a place for, I mean, it, it, it's church. You know, it's a family reunion. You know, it's it's it, it, uh, uh, it's home. You know, for so many people. I mean, people wait all year long just to come for this one week, or if they can only come for two days. You know, just to get that love and that healing, and, and to rebuild that trust um, in themselves and what they're doing, and that trust in you know that there is community and there is support. Um, because that is what the BTA family is for one another. So, you know, just to have that personified, um, you know, at the conference through, you know, a whole week long is just something that we all really, really need and look forward to all year long. So, you know, there's no way there would not be a BTA. Okay, well, Carter, we're going to take our second break, and then I want to get into a little bit more, some specifics about the conference and how people can get involved. So we will be right back. Right. This is Collections by Michelle Brown with my guest, Carter Brown. We'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Join the collection at www.collectionsbymichellebrown.com. 
And we're back with more conversation with tonight's guest, Carter Brown. And Carter, I can recall talking to you after last year's, and we we let people call in. And there were so many people who said that, like about the family reunion, about seeing someone who looked like them or who was going through their experience finally. And also, there were spouses who said that, you know, to be able to be around other spouses of trans men and talk about, you know, family issues and things like that. And that, that that's on SP. You know, she pulled that off. But, I mean, it was just like you could feel like these people had been refreshed. Mm-hmm. It was like they had come to the fountain and had that drink. Mm-hmm. And here it was like afterwards, and they were still talking about, you know, and how they came and they arrived and, and how they did. So you said that, was it always five days long? No, actually it started out being three days. It was mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It started, the very first one was only three days. Um, mm-hmm. And of course we took feedback from the attendees of the first conference and that was one of the major you know negatives that it wasn't long enough um Uh and so of course we wanted to be able to have uh, more time for more programming um you know and workshops and things like that to be offered um and of course with people being there for more time we wanted to make sure they were entertained and just you know just had the whole time um to just you know be present you know, with the family. Um, and so that's how we, how the conference grew to be a week long um, and, and grow to have more events and things like that. Because I know, like, you have this picnic. I mean, you I mean, you do more than just, like, it's not just like a week of going from one conference mm-hmm, to another. Mm-hmm. You do fun things. Oh, yeah. You do fun and family-inclusive things. What do you have planned for this year? Oh, this year we uh, we're gonna have the open mic again. It was really amazing last year. I mean, we the trans community is so talented. I mean, beautiful voices. Um, so people have the open mic is Trans Manifest Live. That's gonna be on Wednesday, and we have people doing everything from singing original songs to spoken word to dancing to comedy, um, everything. Um, and then on Thursday, of course, is the it's gonna be the Black Trans International pageant, and this one is going to be the biggest one yet. And Michelle, I can say mm-hmm. that I've never, I've never, since they've had the pageant, I've never had the opportunity to sit and watch the whole pageant, usually because I'm having to mm-hmm. run around and so forth. But I'm not going to miss this one. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to miss this one. This is going to be the biggest one. We got um, all these, um, you know, the, of course, the state representatives, and then we have a lot of new ladies. Um, that are going to be uh-huh. contestants, and then we have so many trans men. I mean, they bring in their A game. I'm so proud of my brothers. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the brothers are coming with it this year. I'm here to tell you. Um, uh-huh. So I'm not going to miss this passion at all. This is going to be the one, um, the best so far. And then of course, you know, my queen Talia, she's going to be stepping down. We're going to hate to see her go. She has done absolutely amazing things with the pageantry system. Um, she's our reigning queen, Miss Talia Smith. Um, out of Georgia, so she's going to be passing on the uh, the crown, which will be a sad day for all of us, as well as um, our king, Mr. Dane Ray, uh, who's there in D.C. He's done a, a, a very good job as far as just, you know, setting the pace for, you know, trans, for uh, Mr. Black Trans uh, International. 
know, I can I can always listen to it, you know, about about this about this conference. I mean, and I think that that's a it's an important, you know, what it's a cultural part of of the community. Yeah, yeah. And and to have that, you know, it, to celebrate that, I think that that's awesome that you're that you're doing it. And I know, you know, I know because I've seen, you know. I know the brothers are going to be shocked. Oh, yeah. You know, I know that they, they are ready for this, right? You know, they said after all these years of letting the sisters do it, we, we are going to, we are going to do, to do this up. So, okay, so that's what you got. Now, what kind of workshops do you have planned? Oh, the workshops are going to be, um, oh, well, first let me tell you about the other events, of course, because I can't leave out oh, okay. the awards. That's like one of our biggest, um, events is the formal event and that's where we can really acknowledge the people in the community that are doing the work and making changes on the lives of other people um you know allies as well um and then saturday is the family day you were referring to it's where we actually leave the hotel and we go out to ranch uh we went out of ranch and there's nobody there but us and we got a swimming pool and, and, and their staff is awesome they have all these games and campfires and wow. longhorns we can pet and people bring their families little kids are running around and you know mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just such an awesome scene like last year just to see the kids run around and look at their uncle lewis uh sitting on the porch in a rocking chair holding a little baby i mean it was just like you know beautiful beautiful and it was um I mean, like, how far away from from Dallas itself do you go to get to the picnic? Um, Is it way far? No, it's it's, uh, maybe 35 minutes. And what we do is we rent a Uh uh, school bus to come pick us all up at the hotel. And then we all ride out there on the bus. And even the bus ride is fun. It's like, you know, back in school when you were just on the bus hanging out, you know, so you got people acting up in the back. And (laughs) and you know, fell asleep right Uh here. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, but one thing that we're really emphasizing this year, um, besides those wonderful events is our community summit. Of course, we've had the community summit every year, uh, but this year we're going to have a community summit for three days in a row. And wow. this is because the main focus of this conference is for a call to action. Uh-huh. So we have got to get ourselves together as a community. And I say as a community meaning black trans men, black trans women, our allies, our spouses, white people, whoever is at the conference is going to have to put a, a, is going to have to put a spoon in the pot because mm-hmm. it's time for us to take action. I mean, every every year our TDR list gets longer and longer. You know, mm-hmm. and we're we're talking about it. You know what I'm saying? We're out there. We're putting ourselves out there saying, hey, you know, we have a voice. We matter. But no one is taking action. So it's time for us to take action on our own behalf. And so we're going to have a community summit every day with different topics talking about the issues. And not only are we talking about the issues, but what we need to do as a collective and as, as, a, as a movement to propel us forward what we need to do to eradicate these issues, what we need to do to stay alive as a people, what we need to do to get employed as a people. How do we save ourselves? How do we get better lives? You know, and this is what we're talking about in these community summits. So, you know, it, it's not just a panel discussion where you hear from experts or, you know, people's experiences and lives. It's a little bit of that, but mostly we need to be talking as a community. We need to hear everybody's voice, 
everybody has something to say, and it's something that everybody can do. Nobody's stepping on anybody's toes, or no, you know what I'm saying? It's something that everybody can do. Uh-huh. We need everybody to put a hand in. So that's why it's so important that we're having this community summit, uh, three community summits for this conference, um, and that is the emphasis of this conference. It's a call to action, um, and, I, and I will say that the theme of this conference um, is um, "Notice is the acronym." which is uh-huh. loving ourselves through ultimate service, leaving a legacy. Now, what days, what days are the community summits going to be if someone isn't there for, like, the whole week? What days do they definitely you want to be there for this community? definitely want to come Wednesday through the rest of the week. Monday and Tuesday is very light. Matter of fact, Monday people are pretty much just checking in the hotel, hanging out. Um, uh-huh. Tuesday, you know, it's very light also. But starting Wednesday, it, 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 it's time to get on your grind. So... Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're having summit. Um, and if you can't make Wednesday, do not miss Friday, um, because that's when we're going to have the most workshops that are community-oriented as well, family and community. Um, we have um, our anchors group, which is um, the female spouses of trans men. They they have a track this year. You know, we have a lot of sisters stepping up um, with that. We have uh, Christina Taylor out of New York and uh, Rebecca Jackson here in Texas. Um, and these sisters, you know, they, they just really um, want to do their part in uh, promoting equality um, for the people that they love um, and for all people. And so, you know, the anchors are stepping up this year. They're going to have workshops going on. Oh, and overall, Michelle, trans women, I'm going to say it, trans women are leading this conference. We have so many trans women that have um, initiated uh, doing workshops. Um, the enrollment, the registration of enrollment for trans women has doubled what it was last year already. Uh-huh. And of course, uh-huh. most people are going to wait and register at the conference. Um, so, you know, this is really going to be an amazing conference. And, and, and you know, there's something magic uh, with each one, uniquely magic about each one, and I can't wait to see what gift um, is going to come to our community from this conference with having uh, so many women step up um, into this capacity of leadership, a united capacity in leadership, um, and, you know, being bold with their voices, a united voice. Um, like I said, they have been leaders, so, you know, for them to really uh, take a stance in this way, there's going to be good things coming from this conference. You can look at You know, we're having more and more, like I said, I saw this young guy who was in high school, mm-hmm. um, and we have one more. What is going to be there for young trans sisters and brothers, or for their families who are, or maybe for both? I mean, you know, to help the families help them. What's going to be there for basically our future, because you know, mm-hmm. there's a trans child born every day. So, right. what what's what's going to be there in, in that way? Um, well, we do have uh, parents of uh, trans kids that are coming to talk mm-hmm. about that experience and just to share some of the resources that they found helpful. Because, um, like you said, you know, they they need their space and time to really, um, mm-hmm. you know, go through their transition with everything. Um, and then, of course, we, we have a, a counselor there, family counselor, um, who's just going to talk about, you know, basically sort of a, a, an informative group counseling on just
some of the um, ways that families can find their own way of uh, dealing with the transition that's best for them and, of course, healthy for the child most of all. Now I know that Camarion is there, and I know that I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the program. And on Tuesday you're having uh, your interfaith ceremony, and also uh, the workshop on the importance of our spiritual selves and practices. You know, often that is something that that many in our community struggle with. Either you've been ostracized, or you it's been a part as you were coming up, and then you were kicked out, mm-hmm. finding that. It is so important that, that you know, I, I think that, that you're not ignoring that, that you have a space mm-hmm. for that, for people to talk about mm-hmm. that. So your interfaith ceremony, how, how, what, what are you, how are you celebrating people's spiritual selves and practices? Because when I think interfaith, I think that you're not going like with any one particular denomination, right. but how are, you, how are you pulling that together? Our interfaith ceremonies, like you said, they aren't um, influenced by any particular denomination. But I will say that they have that our ancestral heritage um, as Black people and African Americans um, definitely has a great influence on it. We definitely give a lot of homage to um, our elders, our ancestors um, throughout the throughout the um, throughout the the I wanted to say ritual. But throughout the ceremonies, um, you know, we put a heavy emphasis on um, acknowledging and, and, and reaching out to um, those that have walked before us um, for knowledge and for strength um, to fight the fight that we're in now and to be um, to, to clear the path and to be uh, great influences for those who will walk after us. Um, so it's, it's more so love focused um, learning to or, or a call to love ourselves and love our brothers and sisters um, so it's it, it, it love focused with the influence of our ancestors um, and our elders
allows me to continue to evolve to be a more loving and accepting person of others. And I think me living my life um, in a very liberated way, in a lot of ways, gives others permission um, that it's okay, you know, and that, you know, you, you, you are who you are, you know what I'm saying? And that, that is a wonderful person, you know what I'm saying? Um, from the encounters that I've had, um, I would say nothing but great things about any trans person um, that I've met. I can definitely tell you some wonderful, unique, and beautiful things about any trans person that I've met. Um, and so, you know, in, in, if I've interacted with anyone personally, naturally, you know, that's what I like to do is to, you know, empower someone, you know, so that's just a matter of, you know, encouraging them or, you know, complimenting them or listening when they need it. Um, you know, whatever I can do, um, I think becomes sort of contagious to people because, uh, you know, that just to know that someone cares to that capacity, um, gives them the ability to open up and, you know, reciprocate that same love and care to someone else. Um, so if there is an imprint on all the programs, I would say, you know, unanimously that they all exemplify um, pretty much that perspective of um, mm-hmm. empowering empowering everyone to, to love themselves and love one another and to see the beauty um, in our brothers and sisters. You know, I think, and really, I think that, that that really says it because if you go through, like, to me, the thread is, is about love. I mean, the love that you have for your wife, for your family, for your brothers and sisters, and all of these, these things are not only talking about empowering people, but that they can look, like you said earlier, you can have this, you can love you, you can love yourself, you can have love, and... It, it, it's real. I mean, I think and that's the thing that, that every encounter that I've had with you, even like, and with BTAC, it comes through, it's very real. I often tell people, like, you know, I made a donation and you sent me a teddy bear. And it's just sort of like, and it, and the teddy bear showed up on a date on one of those days when you weren't having, I wasn't having a good day. But it was like, often we do things and you don't hear anything, you get a letter. But, but this was something that, that it touched me. And I think that that's, that's what, BTAC is doing, and I think that that will be the legacy of BTAC, that more and more of our trans community and their families and their allies are going to come together and spread that message that, you know, we're human, this is part of the human race, you cannot only look at part of us, you know, and you can't continue to do that. And I like the fact that you're going to have those community forums because now more than ever, we need to get us some marching orders and get out of it, get out there and do it. So we've come to the end of tonight's uh, conversation, and I'd like for you to, how do people find out about BTEC? How do they find out about the conference? All you need to do is ask somebody. <laughs> Log on to blacktrans.org. And you feel like this is what 
we do, and when you see the BTAC conference, go ahead and register. Um, registration is absolutely free. All the workshops are free. You never charge to go to a workshop. Education should be free. Um, however, the events are phenomenal, unforgettable experiences for a very small fee. You can prepay. You can buy the whole um, registration package. Um, but if you want to save your place, at least go on and register today, blacktrans.org. Um, you can also sign up to volunteer. If you aren't able to make it, you can sponsor someone else to come to the conference that you think will benefit, whether it be a parent, a child, an ally, or a trans person. Um, all are welcome, meaning you don't have to be black and trans to come to the conference. Um, all are welcome. Um, and also, if you would like to make a general donation, you can also do that on blacktrans.org. Uh, we need volunteers, and we definitely need sponsors. Uh, we need allies, and we need bodies. We need voices. So all hands are needed on deck. Please log on to www.blacktrans.org and let us know what you're going to do today. The host hotel, how soon do, do should they, like, yesterday go in there if they want to stay at the host hotel? If you, want, Book that room. if you want to stay at the host hotel, the deadline for registering for a hotel is April the 1st. Um, so you definitely okay. want to um, lock in your rooms today. They are going fast. As I said, you know, pre-registration has pretty much doubled what it was last year at this time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you definitely want to make space for everyone. Please, please, please register today. Um, make your plans to get here today. You at least get here. You will be good. You, you will be with the family. You will be good. You won't be hungry or any of that. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. But we definitely need everybody here. So, you know, if you are able um, to get off of work just for that Friday and Saturday, come on in. Um, our Dallas family is going to take good care of you. We're waiting with open arms. Oh, well, thank you. Well, Carter, as always, I love talking to you. Um, I thank you for being my guest. Uh, I have to tell you the website. I mean, I'm looking at for the conference. I mean, the way that it shows you what's happening every day. I mean, it, I mean, if you can't make it for all the days, you can look and say, oh, definitely, I want. That's right. why you said get there for these days. Mm -hmm. It's really excellent. Uh, my best to Espy, uh, to the whole BTAC family. Uh, again, I want to thank you so much, not only for what you do, but for who you are, and for being a friend. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I'm always honored to come on the show. And again, congratulations to you on the new show. I, I think it's going very, very well. I'm honored to be a guest. And it's a pleasure to have you as my sister as well. And when you coming to BK? You know, I'm telling you. you I mean, you know, you know, I mean, because I, 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 you know what? I get in the car and drive down there, but I know somebody is not feeling that. But, <laughs> you know.
like you said, Dallas will make you feel warm. So Absolutely. Um, that's it. Okay, so you can listen to Collections by Michelle Brown every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitchers, and SoundCloud. I encourage you to join us next week when I'll be introducing you to another amazing individual who's living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. That's right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Until next week, have a good night. Good night, everyone.